Welcome to Blaine Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Thank you, Kelly. Um, so this week, I'm trying something new. Uh, thank you guys for pitching in and getting me this iPad for my birthday. I got, thank you. I was shocked last week. And, um, but I just want to say this. I can't guarantee that it will make me a better preacher, okay? Uh, so if that's what you were looking for, I'm really, really sorry. Um, but we'll see how it works. It might actually make me a worse preacher this week because this is the first time I've ever used it. So I just really, really want your patience. I also want to say, um, if you know Mikey and Ashley, like they're back from their honeymoon. So like, can we give it up for them? And they're sitting in the front row. This is bold. So hey, guys. Yeah, it's the only seat. That's good. That's a good thing. Uh, well, it is good to be with you guys this morning, and here we go. Um, we've been in a series over the last few weeks called Chasing the Wind, and we are, we're going through this wisdom book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes in the, is in the middle of the Bible. It was written by wise King Solomon. You may have heard of that guy. He, uh, God told him he could have anything he wanted, and Solomon chose wisdom. And now we have, um, we have uh, Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, kind of these lasting, Song of Solomon, kind of these lasting wisdom books from Solomon. And Ecclesiastes is fun. It's the most negative book of all of them. <laughs> um, what I mean is that Ecclesiastes offers a very sobering view of life. Um, it talks about life in terms of this word, this Hebrew word, hevel. And what hevel means is vanity. He starts by saying, Solomon starts by saying, all life is vanity. 
It's chasing after the wind. And the idea of this word hevel is it's like a breath or a vapor, like life appears for a little bit. And the more you try to grab it, the more you try to contain it, it kind of flutters away, it disappears and it dissipates forever. And he's saying not just your life is like that, but everything in your life, everything kind of pops up for its season and then vanishes, whether that's your job, your family, all those things. So you see it's kind of a negative book and I'm so glad we're going you're like awesome I came to church to get encouraged this morning Um, but it's it just paints this picture of the reality of life especially the reality of life how do you grapple with that without God so we're coming to chapter three which is when Solomon considers the different seasons of our life everything has a season to it And so we're going to talk about that idea that there are different times and seasons appointed by God for everything, every human experience in our lives. You know, it's really easy to look at life as a series of seasons. We're born, we go through childhood, we go through puberty, high school, young adulthood, marriage, kids, career. We live in apartments, we live in houses. Like, there's a season for everything. And... Um, life is never staying the same. It's just constantly changing. We're constantly moving into a new season. And so in chapter 3, he wrestles with this idea of seasons in our lives. Um, We also go through spiritual seasons, don't we? We go through seasons where, man, we feel really close to God, like we are in the mountaintop, God is speaking to us, or um, we go through seasons of searching for God, like where are you? Um, And then we we also go through desert seasons. Like maybe if you have walked with God for a while, you end up in a desert place sometimes where you don't hear from God, where it it, it is dark, where things are difficult, where every step takes, um, takes your strength away. And so for every mountaintop experience we have, we also have the desert or the valley. And sometimes we lead ourselves into the desert, you know, when we stop pursuing God. But other times, God leads us in there to teach us something. God led Jesus into the desert to be tempted by Satan. It's this time of proving where he had to learn to rely on God. And what Solomon is saying is that there is a season for everything. Um, There's a season in your life for Taco Bell, when you enjoy Taco Bell. And there's also a season in your life when you step it up and you start eating at taco time. Am I right? Uh, No? Oh, man. Okay. Sorry. I split the room there. Um, No, it's very important to know when to make that switch, you know? Um, You you don't need tacos at 3 a.m. I'm sorry. You just don't. Um, But we have seasons in our life where we celebrate things. You know, we, we, we have times of great celebration where good things happen, but for every season of celebration, he talks about there's a season of mourning, there's a season of loss. Um, and while, we, uh, while God helps us navigate our seasons with wisdom, we ultimately can't control always when those seasons happen, when there's, when there's a season of joy, when there's a season of sorrow. Life is unpredictable. Eight years ago, I finished seminary in Portland with this intention. I wanted to, I felt called and ready to, to be a pastor eight years ago. And um, so after I graduated, I thought I'd just find a church and we, somewhere in the world <laughs> and we'd move and we'd settle down and that would be it. 
And so I thought school was, I, don't, I was not very smart. I thought school was going to be the hard part of the journey. And after looking for months, God didn't open any doors. I, I didn't have any place to go. And finally, I got a call from this little church out in eastern Montana. And they were like, hey, um, you know, we're interested in you. Um, and we talked on the phone. And, and Bonnie and I went out for a visit. And we're like, eh, should we? Yeah, let's, let's do it. You know, we're young and impulsive. And so uh, we went out there to, I went out there to be a youth pastor. And so Bonnie and I, Bonnie and I moved from our home in southwest Portland out into eastern Montana, out into the prairie. It was a little different. Um, you know, we had these high hopes, like, this is going to be great. Like, we're going to become total outdoors people, and life is just going to be good. Um, but unfortunately, things turned upside down, like, rather quickly. The first thing we noticed was that eastern Montana was very different from southwest Portland. Did you guys know this? Like, it's different. Like, it's not, it's like rancher over here and then hipster over here. And we were used to going to Greek festivals on the weekend and, like, fun stuff like that. And then we came out into eastern Montana in the prairie. And it was like stepping out into Mars. Like, where are the, all the people? Where'd they go? And, um, you know, I knew, I knew I was in a different place. And I, I want to say this. I love Montana. So if you are from Montana, please do not storm out. I love and respect Montana. Um, but the first time I went for a run, somebody in their pickup rolled down their window and like, go home. It's like, whoa, okay, I guess I'm not supposed to run in Montana. You know, and I'm like, how did he know I'm not from Montana? I guess it's just obvious. I don't know. Um, but the real problem was not the state we were in. It was that we weren't clicking with this church we had just signed up for. We didn't really fit, and it didn't take long to realize that this church that we had gone out to was actually pretty unhealthy. Like, I first realized this as I, um, there was a leader that I was working with who just blew up at one occasion, and so I talked to the lead pastor about that, and like, you know, I'm going to have to go talk to this gal. She kind of, like, blew up, and it was kind of an ugly scene. He's like, no, no, don't worry about it. It's like, what? Okay. (laughs) Um... Oh, no, it just turned off, guys. Okay, we're good. (laughs) All right. (laughs) We're okay. We're okay. Uh, But then what happened was five weeks into it, I found out that this lead pastor who had called me out there, I didn't know this at all, but he had left his last church after this big scandal like this big issue at his last church, and, and he hadn't shared anything with, this, with, with me, and I'd moved my family and my one-year-old daughter out to the prairie in Montana, and now we were in this situation that was awkward, um, where I, you know, I didn't feel like, hey, God, I didn't sign up for this. Like, what are, what are we doing out here? You know, and you know, I don't know if I ever felt despair like I did in that moment. Like, God, why? Why did you lead me out here? Like, God, I I wanted to give you my life, and you led me out here, and I feel like you just abandoned me, and you've put me and my family in this really, really difficult situation. What do we do? You know, I, and, and this was eight years ago. I'm a little bit better at conflict now, but this was like a big issue, and I was like, how do I, how do I address this? You know, we had left our lives in Portland. Like, Bonnie had a pretty good job in Portland. And, um, you know, we were living in a rent-free house, and now we were out 
in, in the prairie 900 miles away from friends and family. I remember crying out to God a lot in that season. God, why? Why am I here? Why did you call me here? Have I just been a fool? Like, are you, are you trying to deliberately derail, like, my plan? Or, like, do you not want me to, to be a pastor? What are you doing? I don't know what the journey has looked like for you, but have you had a season like that where you've just really wrestled with God? Where you've asked, God, why am I in this situation? God, why do you have me in whatever you, your desert looks like? You know, what, why am I here? And the truth is, is that we ultimately don't control our seasons. We, we plan, um, we try to be wise, but God is going to shape us through both good times and bad times. He's going to teach us to trust him as we journey through all that life throws at us. And so Solomon says, for everything there is a season. There's a season, there's a time and place for everything in life. He says, for every matter under heaven. That word matter means desire. Like there's a season for every desire you have under heaven. But the other thing is there's a season where you don't get what you want. And what do you do in those times when you don't get what you want? There are times to celebrate and there are times to grieve. There are times of celebration and there are times of sorrow and pain. And God uses both of them. And our temptation in those difficult seasons, like what I was feeling when I was in Montana, was to fight against God. God, why do you have me here? What is going on? To be angry or to be bitter, like to argue with God. And, you know, sometimes he leads us to a place where he prunes things, he pulls things out of our lives so that we can focus on him. And that can be the most painful thing sometimes, is to just trust him as he prunes things in your life. To look less spiritual and more big picture, just culture in general. We live in a culture that's pretty averse to pain, right? We live in a culture that doesn't really like pain. And um, I was reading this article in Psychology Today by someone named Dr. Lisa Firestone, and she talked about, is our aversion to pain killing us? And she tackles this issue not from a spiritual perspective, but just from a mental health perspective in general. She talked about the use of sleep aids and how, um, like, so many people are using sleep aids. And this is what she said. She said, instead of asking ourselves how we can get to sleep, we should be asking, why aren't we sleeping? Why are we so anxious that we actually have to drug ourselves into unconsciousness? When we try to submerge or alleviate pain and anxiety, we ignore their messages pain, whether it be physical or mental, is trying to tell us something important. When we try to quiet our discomfort, we fail to identify its cause and address underlying issues that lead us to suffering. Again, not, not like a Christian perspective of, at all, but just like a mental health perspective, like our pain has purpose in it. Our pain has purpose in it, and sometimes it's hard to just sit there or sometimes it's easier to, to drown it out with noise or busyness or um, substances, whatever it is. We just try to drown out that pain instead of listening and asking, God, what are you trying to teach me in this season? What are you trying to teach me here while I'm in the desert? So what I want to do is I want to look at the list of times and seasons that Solomon lays out in, in this scripture. And there are a lot of them. 
Um, I, I try to, because there are so many of them, I try to interpret them as best as I can, so we're not like trying to, you know, figure it out as we go, but we're going to look at this, um, you know, look at these different seasons that, that Solomon says there's a time for all of these things in our life. Uh, the first one is birth and death. Those are, the, those are the two dates where all of life happens in between. Um, there's a time to be born and a time to die. Every life has a start date, and every life has an end date. Job 14 says, A person's days are determined by God. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. So if we, our focus is to just extend life and not die, like we're, unfortunately we're all headed there. God has determined the months and set limits that we cannot exceed. There's also a time to start things and to end things. You know, if you were with us over the last six months, like we just started this church and it's like pretty exciting. Like it's an exciting time where new things happen and communities built and people are doing a bunch of cool things. Uh, but for everything that starts, there's also a time where things end and that can be a difficult time. Um, I'm a basketball fan. I make, um, you know, I don't try to mask that here. Um, but I watched uh, Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame acceptance speech, and one thing that kind of shocked me was it's like he still, he wasn't satisfied. He still had this chip on his shoulder. Like he was talking down to all the guys he played against. Uh, he was saying, I could take everybody here, um, maybe not physically, but mentally. Like it was just this really interesting moment, and he said, yeah, you know what, I might be making a comeback at 50, who knows, you know? I remember watching that and thinking, like, man, you, you're the best basketball player ever. Calm down, you know? Like, just, just calm down. Like, your, your season's over, but everybody respects you, you know? But sometimes it's hard to give up that season, right? It's, time, it's hard to know when to say, yes, this season is over. Like, God, take this and focus my, my energy somewhere else. But we can look at, at some of these other times, too. There are time, times to give justice. There are times to give grace. I wish I knew this line as a parent because it is a challenge, you know. When do I show justice? When do I give grace? Um, there's a time to deconstruct, and there's a time to reconstruct. You know, often you hit those seasons where God's telling you, put the brakes on. Slow down. Like, let's take some of these things out of your life so you can just focus on me for a while. And I think what happens sometimes if we don't allow ourselves some room, we can get into a season where we just turn away completely from God. And it's not just um, maybe walking away from responsibilities, but it's just doing whatever we want. And God is at work as much in the deconstruction as he is in the reconstruction. Uh, there's a time of weeping and there's a time to laugh. There's a time of mourning, and there's a time of celebration. There's a time to scatter. There's a time to gather. We can go to the next slide. There's a time to say hello, and there's a time to say goodbye. Relationships are fluid in our lives, and sometimes God calls us to a person for a season, and then that time, like a friendship, and then that time is over. It's time to, like it says, release them or say goodbye or move on. There's a time to search, and there's a time to give up. Man, that could apply to a lot of different things, huh? There's a time to keep, 
and there's a time to release. I think of people, or my, my kids, you know, there's a time to keep kids and raise kids and train kids, uh, grow them up, hopefully in the ways of Jesus, but then there's also a time to release those kids into the world. You know, I can't hang on to my kids like 30, you know, when they're 30 years old, like I gotta, you know, let them live their life. Uh, there's a time to grieve, and there's a time to heal. The real words here are there's a time to tear and there's a time to mend. Like, there is a time to grieve. There's a time to, to rip, you know, like the, the old image of like ripping your clothes in grief and crying out and having that time. But then there's also a time to mend those clothes. And what I thought about was, you know, we mend those clothes, but those scars are still there, right? Like the, we mend them so that we can move on, but it's still there. Uh, and um, there's a time to be quiet. There's a time to speak up. I wish I knew that, especially in marriage, right? Like, when do I be quiet? When should I speak up? I wish we, if we could master that in marriage, that you, you are, you're doing well if you got that. Um, there's a time to love. So this, this part says there's a time to love and there's a time to hate. And if you look at the context, he's talking about there's a time to really just love people. And there's a time to hate sin and injustice, to be motivated by God's holiness. Um, I know someone who went to Pakistan recently, and when they went to Pakistan, they met people who work forced labor in brickyards for 20 hours a day, and their lives are just wrecked. And he came back hating that injustice. Like, what can we do to set these people free? There's a time to be motivated to end that sin and that injustice. And then there's also a time, even on a national scale, God appoints times of war and times of peace. So that is a ton. You're drinking from a fire hose. But as we look at these, can you identify seasons or times that God has you in right now? Is there a season or time that God has you in right now? Are you in a time of keeping and releasing? Are you in a time of grieving or healing? Are you in a time where God's telling you to be still and be quiet? Or are you in a time where God is saying it's time to take action and speak up? It's hard to navigate those things. I'm still working on this. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but here's the big question with all of this. Here's the big question. Are you allowing God to work through your season? Or are you fighting your season? Like, that makes all the difference. Are you, have you recognized what season you're in? And you're allowing God to work through that process. Or are you fighting it? Are you angry at God? Are you trying to ignore it, push it away? Because God works maybe even more in the difficult seasons than he does in the joyous seasons. It could look like trying to keep someone when it would be way better if you released them. It could be hanging on to hurt um, caused by your spouse when it's time to let that go and forgive. Are you being silent when something needs to be addressed? Um, are you resisting conflict? Have you resisted conflict or speaking up to a point where you can't honestly love that person anymore? where it's just conflict has been unaddressed forever, and now you don't even have an honest relationship. Like, that happens all the time. 
So often, instead of accepting where we're at and asking God, Lord, help me to see what you want me to do, we often try to fight him. You know, this happens all throughout the Bible. Like, think of the Israelites. You know, God saves them from Egypt, and then they immediately go to the desert. And they're there, and when they're in the desert, they're complaining like, God, it was way better when we were back enslaved to Egypt. At least we had food and and the food we wanted and all these different things. And here's a thought, though. What if God knows what he's doing more than we do? What if God knows what he's doing in your life more than you do? When we were in Montana, I was mad at God. I was in despair. I was filled with anxiety. I didn't know what to do, but God knew what he was doing. Um, When I was agonizing over God, like, why are we here? I got a phone call from my friend Michael back home, and he said, Tyler, you're not going to believe this, but there was a car going 100 miles an hour that rammed into your house in Portland. It hit Adele's room, and then it smashed into the kitchen. And he said, like, I think you were supposed to move. And that was an eerie moment for us. Someone died there on the scene. Um, You know, we were both sad but grateful to God for sparing us from that situation. And when we saw that we looked online and they had written about it in the Portland, um, Portland News Channel wrote about it. And I'll never forget the headline. It said, car slams into vacant house. And I'll never forget that word vacant. Like, God, thank you that that house was vacant. Like, what if it wasn't? What if Adele was there? What, what would have happened? And so maybe then, maybe that season where I felt like God had forgotten us was really a season where God's grace was more present than it had ever been. You know, after that, I began to recognize that God is at work in the desert, that God does his best work in the desert. And the the promise of Ecclesiastes 3 is that no matter how challenging it is, it says that God makes every season beautiful in its time. And I know that that is really hard to believe sometimes, but it says that God makes every season of our lives beautiful in time if we trust him. I want you to read this in verses 10 to 14. It says this, Solomon says, I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into a man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. God can make every season beautiful in its time. When we trust him with our lives, even at our most difficult point, Do we really believe that God is working together all things for our good, for those who trust him? 
those lonely seasons, those painful seasons? Do you believe that God can use those, even those things, in your life to create beauty? It would make a pretty lame movie if everything was great all the time, right? Like if I went and saw Avengers and it was just like Thor and Hulk were just having a party the whole time, I'd be like, this is, why did I come to see this, right? But our stories have an arc to it. They have highs and lows. And that's the way that, that God intended for it to be because God isn't as concerned about our temporary happiness as he is concerned about what we're being made into, how we're being shaped by him, by our relationship with him. God wants to write a better story for our lives than we do. And so do we believe that? Because I think the story, if it was left up to us, it would be lost in the vanity. It would be lost in the present. It would be lost in the moment. It would be about our personal happiness and comfort. It would be about having fun during our short breath of life. But God wants to use it for so much more. And God's story involves love and sacrifice, even to the point of sacrificing his own son, Jesus. Like, God's story involves love and sacrifice. It involved loving us even when we were at odds with him, believing that it was going to work out. It involved weaving everything, it involves weaving everything together for good. And Solomon says that God has written eternity in our hearts, that we are creatures who just by nature we long for eternity. We don't want death to be a part of the story. We don't want life to end. And he says that he's written eternity in our hearts, that, um, that we, when we connect with him, we have an eternal destiny, and that shapes our current story. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Like, in this world, we are trapped in the breath, in the, in the hevel, in the, um, in the pain, but then we have in our perspective this eternal joy in the presence of God. And that shapes how we live. That allows us to love and sacrifice and follow even when it's difficult. And so what Solomon concludes is that in light of eternity, there's nothing better for us to do, he says, than to be joyful. And I would say be joyful in who God is and to do good, to enjoy God by allowing him to be our joy and to serve wherever he puts us. To not fight against where God has us, but accept it and serve and seek him. And so that's what it boils down to this morning. This is sort of the, the big idea for the whole thing, is that because God has a greater plan, seek him in every season. Because God knows what he's doing, because God has a greater plan, seek him in every season. And I don't know, I don't pretend to know what your season is right now. I don't pretend to know what the struggle is right now. All I do know is that you can trust God in every season of your life. Because if we believe God is in charge and we follow him, every season of our life has meaning. Every season of our life matters. When we allow God to write our story, he makes every season beautiful in time. And we don't know how he's going to use our story, but he does. 
I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians when he says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Often God's power shines the most when we're at our weakest point. Because God leads us into those places often so that he can work on us and show himself to us. Montana was a difficult season for us, um, but God used it to deepen our faith more than if we had never gone through that experience. I came to a place where I knew I couldn't stay at the church, and, I, and so I talked to the, the pastor. I told him, I, I don't think I can stay here. Um, you know, like, I just don't, I don't feel right. I don't feel, you know, there was kind of trust broken, and I didn't think it was a healthy situation. And so I said, I don't think I can stay. And I was really nervous because I thought, well, what if they just let me go? And I'm in Montana with my family, you know, income. Like, what's going to happen? And I did. And then they called me into a meeting a couple days later. And I was really nervous to go to this meeting. I was just praying, God, show up. I don't know what you're going to do, but show up. And I was expecting to walk into an angry room. But when I walked into the room... There was compassion. There was concern. There was understanding, and I didn't expect any of it. And they did let me go, but they, they gave me two months of pay just to, hey, go find wherever God wants you to go. And I remember leaving that place and being free and thankful. And I just got in my car, and I, I bawled. I was just so thankful and humbled in, in God's grace to us in that moment. And what was amazing is that within that two-month span, God opened up five opportunities and ultimately led us here to Whatcom County. Like, it was an incredible time in our life. And if we hadn't gone through that, we wouldn't have ever come out this way to the promised land. (laughs) Right? I mean, come on, guys, right? Whatcom County, the promised land. Can I get an amen on that? Woo! So if you're in the desert this morning, trust, trust God that he's leading you, that he's writing a beautiful story in you, and that when God says he loves you, that means that he has your ultimate good at heart. Do you believe that? That God has your ultimate good at heart. So I want to encourage you this morning, whatever season you're in, seek him. Take Solomon's charge to be joyful and do good. Like, take joy no matter what season you're facing. Worship in every season. Sometimes worshiping and focusing on God when we're going through it is the, is the best thing you can do because it recenters your heart towards God. It reminds you of what life is all about. You can take joy in God no matter the season. You can serve in every season no matter where you end up. God can use you wherever you're at. And then ultimately, trust God in every season. You can trust someone that loves you, that has your ultimate good at heart, and Jesus has that for all of us. Let's pray. God, you said in your word that there is a season for everything, that you appoint seasons in our lives Lord, that there are times of testing, there are times of difficulty that you allow, but you use it to shape us. And so, God, I pray that 
Lord, if, if, if anyone here is, is struggling in their season, God, I pray that you would give them your perspective. I pray that you would give them your spirit this morning to hold on to trust. Lord, I feel like so many times I'm like that guy who you, he, you know, brought healing to who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And God, if, if, if anyone is in that season, God, where they're struggling with unbelief, God, I pray that you would meet us even there. Lord, because you know the plan. You know what you're doing. And so, Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts to trust you in that. Open our eyes, open our hearts to trust you with our story, with the pain in our story, God, to shape it through your word, to shape it through walking with you, to shape it through the the life that you intend for us to live, God. Because it's in that life that everything has meaning. Lord, when we align with you, God, everything is full of meaning, God. It's not about what we can get or living for the present breath, God. It's about so much more. It's about this eternal story that you're writing, that, you've, that, that you want us to be a part of. And so I pray that if we're away from that this morning, God, that we could seek you, that we could come to a place where we want to live for what is eternal, not what is just a breath. And so, Jesus, we thank you, God. We thank you that you love us, that you reach out, that you shape the, the, the story, the future. God, I, we know and can trust that you hold our future in your hands, that you don't forget us, that you don't abandon us, God, but you, you come and rescue us, God. Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts this morning, God. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.